morning. Good to see you all here. Perspective. It's all about perspective. And as Laupi said at the beginning, that when we come to God's house, he gives us perspective. So whatever is going on in our life right now, however daunting it might look, we need to remember that Jesus is Lord over that. He's on top of that. He's over that. Nothing uh, that we go through, we will not be able to cope with without him. That gives us perspective. Our word this year, uh, as you know, is grow. We're looking to grow. And our parking lot grew yesterday. Praise the Lord. It grew in depth. We put on three layers of uh, new things, and Steve sent me through some uh, uh, pictures. We got together with our uh, friends from the Presbyterian Church who meet here in the afternoon. They were a great bunch of people, uh, and they provided uh, the funds for this, and they provided some expertise. We provided the labor. And as you can see, there's lots of labor going on there. And uh, look at that, even an action shot of Ryan. I think he was throwing it at Steve at the time, but anyway. Uh, and everyone was involved, from the biggest to the, to the littlest. Uh, and I just love that. Abby was in her element, climbing the top of the hill of the, uh, uh, of the dirt and, and everything else. So, so thank you. Thank you for all who came out. Uh, and uh, praise God that we have a parking lot that is not going to flood now. So that's, uh, that's great. Excellent. So, I, I want to grow like our parking lot. I want to grow in faith. I want to grow in trusting God in my life. I want to grow in following Jesus. I want to grow in my spiritual walk. I want to learn to allow God to lead me and guide me in my life. I want to be able to surrender everything to God. I want to really know that God loves me and wants me to be the person he created me to be. That's what I want. And I'm sure that many of you have uttered those words sometime or another. Want one of those things to be our goal. And they're great goals to have. But as we've seen over the last few weeks, it can be hard to grow in faith because it will likely involve some pain and maybe some suffering and surrendering and being vulnerable. Growing in faith is not easy, but growing in faith is the only way to live the life we were born to live. And this morning, we're going to look at a story in the Bible which shows us that to grow in faith, we have to get our feet wet. It's a funny saying, isn't it? Get your feet wet. I remember those words being said to me as I waited nervously at the Jericho Sailing Club for my very first sailing lesson that Linda had bought me as a birthday gift. Very kind of her. Time to get your feet wet, my instructor said. Not exactly the best thing to say to me, as I really had no intention of getting anything wet. 
I'm terrified of water. I've said before that always have been. I can't swim very well. Uh, well, I swim to the bottom. Um, and I find it really difficult to encounter water in large quantities. I struggle with a bath. Time to get your feet wet, she said. Maybe she was trying to lighten the atmosphere, uh, as I guess she could sense my fear and my nervousness as I held on to Linda's leg as she was trying to leave. So my instructor tried to reassure me. <clears throat> it's okay. I've just come back from Australia where I, where I was competing in the Olympics. Oh, hello. <laughs> and you're safe with me. Trust me. I'm an Olympian. And anyway, no one has ever been able to capsize this boat. Except Trevor. It's unsinkable. That's what they said about the Titanic, I thought. <clears throat> anyway, so we got in and we sailed out to the middle of English Bay. And she said, okay, now it's your turn. You take the rudder. I said, is that the steering wheel? She said, yes. <clears throat> now, from the shore, everything looks really calm out there, doesn't it? But when you get far out, everything changes. The wind's a bit stronger, the waves are a bit higher, and as I took the rudder, I panicked. I turned the rudder too quickly, and the wind suddenly caught the sail with such a force that we started to do a violent 360. My once calm instructor began to shout, Move her starboard! Starboard! Well, she could have been speaking Russian as far as I was concerned. I couldn't understand a word that she was saying. And so I tried frantically to correct the spin myself. And it happened. I made history. <laughs> I became the first person to capsize that boat. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. That... That will be on my, uh, on my uh, tombstone. Thankfully, the instructor worked hard to right the boat, which is really difficult in a sailboat, those of you who know what they uh, have been sailing before. And I just merely bobbed in the water, totally shocked. And we got back in and she said, well, that wasn't too bad, was it? I said, actually, yes, it was. Can we go straight back to the shore? And she took me back. That day, I got my feet wet. Along with my legs, my arms, my head, and my whole body. And this morning, for those of us who want to grow in faith, it's time to get your feet wet. Turn with me to a very... Uh, popular story, one that we've heard, I'm sure, and read before, but we're going to read again. It's in Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. <clears throat> Follow along with me if you want to. 
and we're starting uh, at verse 22. Immediately, <clears throat> Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to a, uh, on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat with the disciples was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. <clears throat> Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Okay, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out one of the shortest prayers ever in Scripture, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. <clears throat> Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to go through this passage with you, and I want to pick out three things. Three ways we can learn to grow in our faith, in trusting Jesus more, and then... I want to invite some of you to do something that will definitely get your feet wet. Okay? That's where we're going. Helen Keller. You know Helen Keller? The famous author, political activist who was born blind, deaf, and unable to speak. She said this. She said, life is either a daring adventure or it's nothing at all. Life is either a daring adventure or it's nothing at all. And I believe there's something to that. You see, God has created each one of us for a life worth living. We were born to flourish. And one of the main responsibilities of our journey is to discover what that life is. And by doing that, it will involve a daring adventure. And that daring adventure will involve us getting our feet wet. The definition of that saying, to get your feet wet, is taking a risk in order to move forward. Take a risk in order to grow. And I would suggest to you this morning that to live a life of adventure, to live a life of faith, involves inherently living a life of risk. If we are unwilling to take a chance in life, we will never discover what living by faith is all about. 
And we will never discover the life that we're born to live. And the Bible is full of stories of people who did that. We looked at Abraham over the last couple of weeks. Noah, who, who took a risk to build uh, a boat in the middle of Saskatchewan. <laughs> Moses took a risk to go to the, uh, the Pharaoh of his time. Esther, David, Mary, Paul, and of course Jesus. They lived lives of taking risks. But of all the stories in the Bible that teach this truth, the one that we just read is perhaps the most loved. You've probably heard this story before, many, many times before. But somehow we never grow tired of it. Why? Because I think it's a story about each one of us. Or we want it to be a story about us. Because there's something or someone inside of us who tells us that there's more to life than sitting in the boat. There's something inside us that really wants to walk on the water. Let me just give you a little background to the story before we get into it. It's very simple. Jesus is on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's late in the day, and Jesus has just performed the great miracle, feeding the 5,000 or probably 10,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And understandably, the people are amazed, and they want to make Jesus king, and Jesus knows how shallow their thoughts are, and he says, no way, I'm going off to pray. And Matthew tells, says in the story that we just read that he tells the disciples to get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake. He dismisses the crowd and he goes off to pray. So far, so good. And the disciples, they begin to sail across the lake and this storm blows up. From the way the gospel writers tell the story, it seems as though the storm started about 8 o'clock at night. And continued all night long. And the Sea of Galilee, Frank could be able to tell you he's been there and some of you may have been there as well. It's, it's not a small lake. It's, uh, it's about 21 kilometers long, 13 kilometers wide. So it's a big lake. And so the, the disciples are right in the middle of this lake. Struggling against the wind and rain. Nine o'clock comes, ten o'clock comes, eleven, midnight, one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning. Still the storm's continuing with no sign of letting up. After eight or nine exhausting hours of rowing, they're stuck in the middle of the lake, dirty, drenched, chilled to the bone, weary to the point that they begin to wonder, are they ever going to make it to the other side? Then things get really interesting. Look at this. It says, shortly before dawn, it's probably around 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. They've been, we can understand their fear, can't we? 
They've been rowing and rowing and rowing and getting nowhere and they can't seem to make it to the shore and it's about 4.30 in the morning. They're dead tired and suddenly this figure starts walking towards them on the water. Now, I don't think my first thought would be, oh, here comes Jesus. Oh, he's decided to go for an early morning walk on the water in a storm. No, I think in the situation, I would have been exactly like the disciples, wouldn't you? Oh my, what's a ghost? But notice that Jesus immediately says to them, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. I guess that would have calmed them down a little bit. And perhaps they thought that Jesus would get in the boat with them and do one of those storm-calming things that he's done before. But he stays where he is. And then suddenly, Peter has an idea. One of Peter's smart ideas. He says, Lord, if, if it's you... Tell me to come on the water with you. And you can just imagine all the other disciples in the boat almost doing a double take. Did, did you hear what I thought I heard Peter say? If Peter, you, you haven't taken your meds again, have you, Peter? <laughs> what have we told you about that before? It's blowing a gale. The waves are enormous. And you want to go for a walk with Jesus on the water. And I just picture Jesus' face when he said, all right then, come on, (laughs) what are you waiting for? And then we're told Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Now we read this and we immediately jump to the fact that Peter got out of the boat. He took a step and got his feet wet And so, in order for us to grow in faith, we have to get out of the boat. And that's true. But that's not my first point. Because we're missing something. Before we get out of the boat, we have to recognize and identify what sort of boat we're in. What's the name of your boat? What is our boat called that we need to get out of? I'm I'm obviously speaking metaphorically here and not literally. You see, our boat is whatever represents safety and security apart from God himself. Our boat is whatever we're tempted to put our trust in, especially when life gets a bit stormy. Our boat is whatever keeps us so comfortable that we don't want to give it up or get out of it, even if it stops us from joining Jesus on the water. What's the name of your boat? And some of you say, well, actually, I don't know what my boat is. How can we identify our boat? Well, fear will generally tell us what our boat is called. We just have to ask ourselves, what is it that most produces fear in me, 
especially when I think about stepping out in faith. Maybe your boat is called the unknown. Maybe it's the fear of the unknown. You know, I'm, I'm not a risk taker. I need to get all my ducks in a row first and I have to be able to see what's coming before I get out of the boat. That's the name of your boat, the unknown. Maybe, maybe the, your boat's called in control. You have a fear of letting go, not being in control of your life. Or maybe your boat is called protect yourself. Because you fear getting hurt physically or perhaps more likely emotionally if you step out of your boat. You know what the name of my boat would be? My name of my boat would be called Trevor's Pride. That's my boat. If I'm honest, it's the fear of, my, of making myself look like a fool, which I tend to do most Sundays. But I have a fear of that. I, uh, and especially when I was younger, I only ever wanted to do something that I knew I was good at. Linda, for years, had asked me to go do dancing les- lessons with her. I can play sport. I cannot dance. And so I kept making excuses. Oh, no, oh, I can't do it that night. Oh, really, I'd love to, love to. I've got a church meeting. Can't. Always making excuses, always making excuses. But ultimately, it was because I didn't want to look a fool. I know that's my boat. That's my boat. And if I ever want to grow as a person or grow in my faith, I know that I have to push through that and step out of that boat. So what I do now is I deliberately try things that could actually make me look like a fool. Going to India was a bit like that for me. I'll be honest with you. Especially when we got there, I love to be prepared Preparation is really important for me. I spend a lot of time preparing uh, talks. We get to India, it's a completely different kettle of fish there because we were going to places and we really didn't know what we were doing or what was expected of us. So we went to a girls' school. One of the first times, there's about 500 girls there, high school. And we walk in and I thought we were just joining with them. No, apparently we're leading the, the assembly and I'm giving a talk. No idea. No idea. What do I do? What am I good at? So I took three rocks and I started to juggle in front of the girls. That's what I did. And I made some comment about juggling and I can't even remember what I said now. But I stood in front of them and I made myself look a fool. And it was scary. You see, it still scares me, and a lot of things still scare me, but I know that that's my boat. Pride is my boat, and I need to get out of that boat if I'm going to grow. You see, fear is the price of growth. The decision to grow is always a choice. 
a choice between risk and comfort. Do I stay in my boat, my nice, comfortable, safe boat of pride, or do I risk stepping out of it and looking a fool? There's a choice. So what's your boat? What's the name of your boat? You've got to find that out first before you step out of it. Okay, back to the story. So, so Peter's on the water, he's walking along, and he steps out of the boat, and then he sees the wind, and he's afraid and begins to sink, and he cries out, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, and said, Oh, little faith. The translation of that is not you of little faith. Is it, uh, Jesus is giving him a nickname. Your little faith. That's what I'm going to call you. Little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And we know from hearing this story before that the lesson here is that as we step out of the boat, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and not the storm that's raging around us. Otherwise, we'll sink. And that's true. But that's not my second point. You see, it's interesting that our take-home from this story is that Peter sank. He was a loser because he didn't have enough faith and he took his eyes off Jesus. But here's the second point about growing in faith. We have to learn to fail. We have to learn to fail. In stepping out of the boat, not only do we live with fear, but we have to live with failure. Failure is another consequence of getting out of the boat. But remember that failure is not an event. It's a judgment about an event. The most important part of failure is how we view it and respond to it. There's a story about Winston Churchill, the uh, British Prime Minister during the Second World War. He was once asked what prepared him for leading um, Great Britain against the might of Nazi Germany. And he said, my preparation goes back to the time I had to repeat a grade in elementary school. And the person interviewing me said, well, you mean you failed a grade? And he said, I've never failed at anything in my life. I was given a second opportunity to get it right. Churchill viewed failure as a second opportunity to get it right. So in this story, did Peter fail? Did he fail because he stepped out of the boat and after a few steps he sank? Well, maybe. But I would suggest that the bigger failure were the 11 who stayed in the boat. They failed, but quietly and privately. Their failure went unnoticed. It was only Peter who actually knew the shame of public failure. Back at our, uh, in our church in, in England, we had a big issue with youths hanging around uh, the church on a Sunday evening. Uh, there was a wall there, and they would sit in the wall drinking beer and uh, throwing things at people and, and all that. So, so we had this 
big discussion at church and we spoke for months and months. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? There was one guy, an older guy, Chris, who said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up the church on Sunday evening and I'm going to show the movie about Jesus. And I'm going to invite all these hooligans in to watch it. <laughs> we didn't laugh out loud. but they are. That's ridiculous. How silly. Anyway, he did it. And first night he did it, he invited them in and they threw eggs at him. Second Sunday that he did it, um, they shouted abuse at him. Third Sunday, threw eggs and shouted abuse. Fourth Sunday, nothing. Nothing happened for the eight Sundays in a row that he did it. Nothing. Not one person came in until the very last time there was one little boy who came in and sat with him. And that was his son. <laughs> Who, did Chris fail? Or did we fail because we didn't actually step out of the boat? You see, Peter too, he knew the shame of public failure. But he knew two other things as well. He alone, out of the 12, knew what it was to try to do something that he couldn't do on his own. And then the feeling of euphoria of being empowered by God to do it. You see, failure is not to sink in the waves. Failure is not get out of the boat. That's failure. And failure is the only way to grow and learn. So in order to grow in our faith, to get our feet wet, we need to recognize what our boat is called. What's your boat called? We need to step out of it and we need to learn to fail. And finally, and this is perhaps the greatest reason to step out of the boat, the water is where Jesus is. Notice that Jesus did not appear in the boat. Notice he didn't immediately get in the boat. He had no intention of getting in the boat. Jesus is not in the boat. The water may be dark, wet, and dangerous, but that's where Jesus is. He's in the water, not in the boat. Those of you uh, I know love the Narnia stories, and there's a, a wonderful, uh, famous quote in there, in The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, where um, Susan is talking to Mr. Beaver about Aslan, the, the God figure in the book. And uh, Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. If you want a safe, comfortable life where you have everything under control, stay in the boat. 
But if you want to grow a deeper faith, if you want to live a life of daring adventure, if you want to meet and follow Jesus, you've got to go and meet him in the water. Those of you who are parents of little kids, you'll, you'll know that when they're little, um, you try to teach them to jump into the pool, don't you? And uh, I always used to, uh, well, actually, Linda did it because I didn't like the water, but Linda used to stand uh, a good distance away from the edge. And uh, she would say, you know, to our kids, they're probably about sort of one and a half, two at the time, they're standing on the edge, and they say, come, come you've got to jump to me. No, come a bit closer. No, 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 I'm staying here. Come and jump to me. And then eventually... They jump. Now, Linda could have, could have gone onto the side with them and sort of gone down in the water nicely. She could have been right on the edge so they didn't get wet. You know, we're like that with our kids sometimes. Oh, don't want to get wet. Careful. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. He's standing away from the edge and says, come on. Come join me. Not wait there while I come to you and help you out of the boat. Come here, Peter. Come on, Peter. Let me get you. Hold your hand. Let's get out of the boat. No. And as we take that step, two things will happen. The first is when we fail, and we will fail sometimes, Jesus is going to be there to pick us up. We will not fail alone. If you step out for Jesus, you will not fail alone. And the other thing is, every once in a while, you'll walk on water. Isn't that great? Wow. I want to grow in my faith. I want to trust God more. I want to live a life that's daring, a daring life of adventure. Well, get your feet wet. Get your feet wet. And here's my invitation to some of you. Many of you, you've been on a spiritual journey. You've been coming here. You've been learning more about Jesus over the weeks and months. But you're walking along with one foot in and one foot out of the boat. You want to believe that God has a good purpose for your life. You want to believe that he loves you and cares for you. You want to believe that he can forgive you and take away all the burden of of guilt and shame. You want to give your life to him and allow him to lead you and guide you. You want that, but you're afraid to let go. So you've got one foot out and one foot in the boat. There's part of you that's afraid of making that commitment, of taking that step. You're afraid to let go. You probably still have loads of questions and you think, you know what, I'll keep asking those questions until everything is sorted out in my mind and then I'll follow Jesus. (laughs) Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. All your questions are never going to be answered. You need to take the next step. You need to get out of the boat and get your feet wet. And for some of you, that next step is baptism. 
Now, some of you probably say, well, what's baptism? I, wasn't I baptized as a child? Well, maybe. But that was a decision made by your parents. Adult baptism is basically a public declaration that you want to follow Jesus in your life. It's not saying, I'm perfect, I've made it, I understand everything, I've passed my test now, I can be a Christian. No, it's not an end. It's a beginning. It's saying, I want to take the first step out of the boat. I'm not sure what's going to happen or where it might lead, and I'm probably going to look a bit foolish doing it. But I'm prepared to say, I want to trust Jesus in my life. And I believe that is some of you here right now. In two weeks' time, Easter Sunday is two weeks' time, there's a baptistry behind this curtain, those of you who don't know. It's going to be full of water in two weeks' time. And I'm going to invite some of you to get your feet wet. And in fact, all of you wet by being baptized. I'm going to ask you individually over the next week or so, but can you make it a bit easier for me and come and speak to me? For those of you who, who know, you know you need to take that next step. Got to get out of the boat. Come and see me. Say, Trevor, it's time, time for me to get out of the boat. I want to extend an invitation to the rest of you as well. Some of you are sitting in your boat this morning, whatever it's called, and you know that to grow, you've got to get out of it and get onto the water. And you're afraid. Of course you are. It's unknown. It's uncertain. The waves look high. But you've got to see Jesus in the water calling you to come. Take the first step and I'll meet you there. Will you do it? Because you know what? Life is either a daring adventure or it's nothing at all. Let's pray. (coughs) This is the time I believe that God through the Holy Spirit starts speaking to us or confirming to us what, what we already know in our hearts. There's some of you who, who know the next step is to, to put your trust in Jesus. And maybe that will involve baptism. Where you stand up in front of your friends here and say, That's what I want to do. I want to step out of my boat. You need to do that. There are some of us maybe stuck in our own little boats of pride or the unknown or protect yourself. And we know that Jesus is calling us to step out and and either do something 
mend a, a broken relationship that we know is going to be tough. Forgive someone, which is tough. He's asking us to take that step. And I pray that this morning we will know that he is there waiting for us, that we're not going to do this on our own. But we have to take that step first. Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you've created us to live a life of worth, to live a life of daring adventure. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to take that step out of the boat and follow you. Lord, I pray that we don't leave this place today without either saying it to you or to someone around us. Give us the courage.